Well, praise the Lord. Amen. Y'all are going to sing another one, right? During the offering, not during the offering, we're going to take an offering. It'll be better if you'll sing like on that shower. Thought I'd go ahead and tell you that up front. Amen. All right, good deal. <laughs> praise the Lord. <laughs> well, I'm so thankful you're here on Labor Day weekend. Can you believe it's September? My soul. Thank you so much for praying for me, and uh, hopefully Wednesday. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get rid of this cane. I tell you, I've kind of enjoyed this cane. You know, there's, when you, you do that, you know there's something to that. And uh, people kind of look at that differently, so I may hold on to this cane for a while longer. But uh, praying, uh, all joking aside, uh, so many had a part in making all of this happen with this uh, uh, surgery, but uh, the, the main one was my wife. Uh, we've been married 40-something years. <laughs> and uh, I want to tell you something about her that, that some of you know and some of you don't, but she has the gift of discernment. She really does. And she don't always use it like she ought to all the time, but she's got it. Amen? And, and when she says, hey, this is a good doctor, everything's going to be great, man of peace that passeth all understanding comes over me. So I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I'm ready to get it on. He told me I could preach next Sunday if I'd sit down. And I said, well, no, I probably will not, won't do that. I'll probably let Brother Case preach next Sunday, and then Brother Herman to be here the next week for revival services, and then it's back to me again after that. Matthew chapter 5, as we continue on through uh, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest uh, sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher that ever lived, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you never get tired of hearing Jesus speak. And he's addressing this sermon primarily to his 12 disciples. It's primarily addressed to those who are saved. This is not a real evangelistic part here. He's speaking to his kingdom. He's talking about a kingdom. A kingdom is no good unless you have a king. And if you have a king, let me just tell you straight how it is, uh, you're going to do what the king says do or you're not going to be in his kingdom. And uh, he's given us, and we've gone through every one of them, uh, all the way starting at Matthew chapter 1. We've gone all the way down just verse by verse. We're down to verse 13 now. If you would stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, Matthew 5, 13, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed with the great music. Lord, the Spirit of God in this place, thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray this morning you would cleanse me and your Spirit would fill me and this place would be, Lord, completely filled with the Holy Spirit of God this morning. And we would just be obedient to you. There are folk here that we're talking to this morning. Their greatest need in this world is to be saved today. 
Oh, God, would you touch them and save them before it's too late. There are others that have come and they're discouraged and they need an uplifting word. I pray the Holy Spirit would minister to them in a divine way. Others seeking different things. Would you just meet every person where they are today? And we'll praise you for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. It is uh, futile to expect those people, the unsaved, to apply the principles of the Sermon on the Mount. It's very hard for Christians to do it, those who love Jesus, and yet we, we go back and we're talking about being merciful and peacemakers and uh, hungering and thirsting after righteousness and all of the, it's hard even for Christians to do that. Now listen, as we go through this book of Matthew and we continue on, you gotta get this basic foundation. If you don't get this basic foundation now in Matthew 5, when he gets over here a little bit later on telling you to love your enemies, you're not going to do it. You're going to choke. This thing's built upon principle after principle after principle. So you got to get the basic principles down, and then you can proceed on in life. I heard a little boy ask his mother, Mama, would you give me a dollar if I'll be a good boy? She said, Son, why don't you be good for nothing like your father? I think maybe sometimes there's a lot of us Christians that really honestly are good for nothing. I mean, this is what the scripture says. If the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's good for nothing but to be cast out. And I'm afraid that a lot of us have come to the point in our life, we're complacent, we're happy, we're thrilled with everything that's going on. And all the time, folk are dying and lost without Christ. We're to be the salt of the earth, he says. This is a transitioning from one section of the beatitude and loads that be attitude, perfect blessedness, mature happiness. He's the king. He's going to run the kingdom and it's based on the principles of the word of God. And we already know that the word of God does not jail with worldly wisdom. Uh, people in this world seems like the ones that have the most are the most miserable. Yeah, my happiness is not based on what I have. It's based on who I have a relationship with. And that relationship is the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, when the Spirit of God's working on the inside and the grace of God's working on the inside, it's going to show up on the outside. You're going to be salt. I'm going to be salt. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We go all the way back. Those who've emptied themselves of everything. We're nothing. He's everything. And th then he said, blessed are they that mourn. We're not mourning over people who've passed away. We're mourning over sin, our own sin. When's the last time when you just got down and mourned over the fact that you sinned against the holy God? And then he said, blessed are the meek. He's not talking about weak. He's talking about those who are powerful, yet they've held back. I don't have to get revenge because vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord. And then he said, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Those who say, I don't have to have my needs met. I want to meet the needs of other people. And we've discovered through all of this that when we meet the needs of other people, God meets our needs. Then he said, blessed are the pure in heart, genuineness, lack of hypocrisy, 
Folk, God's not looking for phonies this morning. When you're dealing with the Sermon on the Mount, he's talking about true, born-again believers. And then he said, blessed are the peacemakers. We're not stirring up strife. We don't have to, to gossip and stir up something all over again. We want peace. Then he said, blessed are they. They. Now, every one of them been blessed are thee. Blessed are they. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they. Now, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. He said, rejoice and be glad. Woo, just get happy because somebody's persecuting you for righteousness' sake. Now, make sure it's not because you're obnoxious. It's for righteousness' sake. And then he said, blessed are ye, ye. Who is the ye? The ye is those who are peacemakers, those who are empty of spirit, those who are mourners, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. We are the ye. Your life ought to be getting happier and happier if you're walking with Christ. It ought to be happier and happier. Now, I want to tell you, all of this is telling us here's how to be happy. Here's how to be happy. Here's how to be happy. It's easy to find rich people. They're all over. They're here in Longview somewhere because somebody's building these houses that's got money somewhere, I'll tell you that. It's easy to find rich people. It's easy to find cool people. Cool duds, they're everywhere. You can find cool people. It's easy to find funny people. You just go down to Walmart and they got a little bench out there in the middle. Just sit right out there in that thing right there. I guarantee you, you'll laugh your head off. It's hilarious. But I want to tell you, happiness is not sold at Walmart. You won't find happiness over at Target. Blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are the one works off the other. When you apply these beatitudes to your life, people are not going to like you. They're going to run you down. They're going to laugh at you. But when you're done falling in love with Jesus, you don't give a rip. They cannot, they cannot, they cannot jerk the spirit off of you when you're walking with Jesus. They're not going to rob you of your joy. You see, I can be happy no matter what the stock market does. I can be happy no matter what the real estate does. I can be happy no matter how this body feels. Because none of that makes any difference. It's my relationship with Jesus Christ. Ye are the salt of the earth. The hope for the people in your neighborhood. The hope for the people at your job. The hope for the people in your school. The hope for the people in this church. It's not a new job. It's not another loan. It's not another, uh, 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 give me a break. The hope for the people in this church are when they see people who are pure in heart. When they see people who are merciful, when they see people who are peacemakers, the hope for those is you. Ye. Ye. Now, what are you going to do with it when you get it? What are you going to tell somebody? That's what you do. We're talking about now this morning those who are capable of being reviled. We're talking about this morning those who are capable of being laughed at. We're talking about those who are capable of being persecuted. Now, here's the one thing. If you don't get anything else, you can go back to sleep after this. The people that hate you the most are the ones who need it the worst. The very people who are mocking you and laughing at you and persecuting you 
are the very people who needs it the most. One of the most important questions facing Christians in every country in our society is what are we going to do about our values and our standards? How's it going to dominate our national culture? America, just like European countries, is more and more pluralistic. Uh, we've got Christianity, we've got Judaism, Islam, Hinduism, Muslim, Eastern religions, Marxism, secularism, and then there's uh, so many new isms and schisms, we can't keep up with them. Now, for Christians, it's partly an evangelistic question, and the question is this. We've been asking it almost every week. Our king does not sit on a throne right now. Our king does not sit in an oval office right now. One day he will. But right now, our king needs to clear out a place in our heart and sit right here. Every one of us who are believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to make him king. He needs to be king. So it's partly an evangelistic question, but it's also a cultural question. And the deal is, are, are we going to be able to influence the culture that we live in? Do you like this culture? We were in Shreveport the other day, one of our favorite places, Cantina Laredo, and they're doing rap music. And almost every other word is an F word. And I mean, the music didn't last very long, so thank God we got to eat our Chilean sea bass. It went on off on another song. But I sat there real quickly and looked. I mean, there, there wasn't anybody in there. It was 2 o'clock in the afternoon. There wasn't anybody in there that had sense enough to be manager. I knew that. So I went online and filled out a survey. I said, we're sitting here right now in your restaurant, and we're offended at the language that I'm listening to. And within, what, five minutes? Six minutes, got a text back. Note taken, we will look into it. Now, I'm not, I'm not telling you here that you need to be another Billy Sunday or another Billy Graham. I'm not asking that. But, folk, let me just tell you, if we're going to take East Texas and we're going to halfway change the culture here, somebody's going to have to speak up. Somebody's going to have to stand up. There's no doubt it's the will of Christ for his people. Let me give you four things and I'm through. Almost. <laughs> Christians, number one, are different from non-Christians. Could we just establish that fact? If you're saved, you're different from non-Christians. We're fundamentally different. Both the images of salt uh, and light, both of them plainly set the two communities Yesterday, out in Odessa, one of my good friends there, pastor at First Baptist Odessa, uh, Byron Williams, McWilliams, uh, lost a church member in the middle of that shooting and all of that there. What makes a guy just start shooting on an interstate highway? Well, he's lost. He's living in darkness. He, he, he doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said... This world, with all of its tragedy and all of its evil, is a dark place. And then he tells us that he wants us to be the salt of the earth. We can't just 
Just like in this world, there's like rotting meat, decaying fish. And on the other hand, there are those who can salt it down. There ought to be a difference between Christians and non-Christians. It ought to be evident. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching this morning that you got to wear a tie to come to church. I'm not telling you that. I tell you, my staff, they don't respond a whole lot when I talk to them. They just kind of, mm. But I said this morning, uh, no tie. It's Labor Day. No tie today. Man, I mean, bang, 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 bang. Every one of them thrilled to death, you know. No tie. I'm not telling you you got to dress a certain way, but I am telling you when you get saved and the Holy Ghost of God's working on your inside, there ought to be some changes of modesty on the outside. Sometimes you can't even counsel people because you, you're being tempted by somebody got a low-cut dress on. Good grief, have mercy. You, you know, don't wear enough clothes to bridle a mule. You, you, Listen, there ought to be a difference between a Christian and a non-Christian. The way we talk, the way we walk, the way we act, it ought to be a difference. Second thing, this, Christians have got to penetrate the non-Christian community. We can't sit back here and say, well, I'm just going to leave them alone. No, you can't leave them alone. You, we're the light of the world. If, if they've got any hope whatsoever, it's us. We've got to penetrate that community. Now, you do that by being salt. He said, salt, ye are the salt of the earth. You see, salt seasons. Now, if you're here this morning and you're on a no-salt diet, I, I just know my prayers are with you. <laughs> I'm not sure I could do that. I'm not sure I could do that. Uh, I'm the same way with butter, I'll tell you. These people tell you that, I can't believe it's not butter. That's because it ain't butter. <laughs> Have mercy. Give me the real thing. How many of you know that not everybody that's smiling and bobbing their head and, and, and partying, it doesn't mean that they've got the savor. It doesn't mean that they are the salt of the earth. They may be putting on like they are. When a child of God comes up with someone who's lost, that person has a bland diet. And when a salty Christian comes up next, you season that person. Not, and, and some of it's not just because they don't have any flavor. Some of them have flavor. It's just the wrong kind of flavor. We're to season that person. How is it? Listen, I, as I go over these Beatitudes. I'm thinking, blessed are the poor in spirit, and blessed are they that mourn, and blessed are the meek. Could it be, could it be that maybe that person has been around a, a, a Christian and he's seen you be merciful every time that he looks at you, or he's seen you want to be a peacemaker, or he's seen you wanting to hunger and thirst after righteousness, and he says, look, I, because you're real, you're not a phony, I want what you got. When's the last time somebody said, I want to be a part of Woodland Hills Baptist Church because you're a part of Woodland Hills? Hmm. Well, salt seasons. Secondly, salt is sweeter. It's a sweetener. Now, you say, that's hard to believe. I thought we usually taste salt like that, but it sweetens. We deal with a lot of sour people around here. 
Drivers in East Texas are more sour than most of them. I had one the other day saluting me as number one. And <laughs> have you ever noticed that when they're in the wrong, they're the ones blowing the horn? And I'm thinking, what are you blowing your horn for? So I blew my horn. I thought, you better be careful. He may have a pistol. And I thought, all I want to do is talk to him about you, Lord, and tell him that you love him, and he better thank God you do. <laughs> Salt is a, is a sweetener. Why are people so sour? Because they haven't been around salty Christians. See, if, if you and I are doing our job, and you come up to a sire, you see, too many times we get like them instead of them getting like us. Then salt penetrates. It gets in. You put salt on the outside, you go back an hour later, the salt's gone. It's already inside. Hmm. I never will forget. I can't say no names because we got some Port Nature's Groves people here this morning. <laughs> Two weeks after I joined, after I surrendered and went to Ridgewood as pastor, just young. Deacon came in and said, uh, man, this family is upset. I said, upset? Yeah. They, she was in the hospital and you didn't visit her. I said, I don't even know who they are. I've only been here two weeks. I said, the problem is you, you should have told me. Anyway, I said, well, I'll go visit them. No, you can't go see them. No. No, they're a uh, he, he's really mean. He hates preachers. You can't go see him. So I thought, okay, I'm not no idiot. I'm not going to see him. And then along about Tuesday, God got a hold of me and said, I need to go. So I went over there, and I'm telling you, my, I ain't lying. My legs were knocking. And I knocked on the door. And this little old guy about four foot come up to the door. And I said, now, Lord, forgive me. But if he says anything, I'm going to slap the living daylights out of him. I can do it. Well, he let me in, and he did what they said. He tried to intimidate me. He said, because I'm young and smart aleck. You know, I know everything then. He said, the preacher, can I get you a beer? Would you have a beer with me? I said, I'd love to have a beer with you if you'll come to church with me Sunday. He kind of thought, and he said, why don't I get you some iced tea? And we sat down there and talked for a long time, and he's still going to church. He's, to my knowledge, I talked to him, to, uh, to his wife a couple of weeks ago. He's still not made a profession of faith, but he is going to church, and I praise God for that. We sat down and talked to him, and I said, uh, man, I'll be honest, they had me scared to death to come over here, that you were just really mean, and you wouldn't talk with people about the Lord, and you've been open with me. And he said, Brother Hunt, let me tell you this. The people who come over here to see me about the Lord, I know how they live every week. Why are they coming over here to see me about the Lord when I know how they're living every week? I don't want to deal with people like that. I thought, dear Lord, see, as a salt, we're to penetrate. We're to make a difference there. But salt not only does that, it softens you uh, say winter storm here in East Texas and 
There are going to be ice, uh, ice on the roads. That's a, don't, don't get out in East Texas. People don't know how to drive here on ice. Just stay home. Trust me. But you'll find trucks stationed all over with salt in them. Because you can take hard pieces of ice, even on your steps, sprinkle a little salt, and it turns to water. See, salt will... Salt softens. Colossians 4 says, Let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt. Wow. There's an urgent need for us to penetrate the culture that we live in. An urgent need. And then lastly, salt saves. I mean, you, you got some meat about to go bad, put some salt on it. Now, let me just inch in here real quickly, and I don't want to get too, too rambunctious here. And I'm not saying we got counselors here, good counselors. I'm not saying don't go to them. I'm not saying all of that. I'm just saying it could be that your problem in your marriage doesn't mean you need a counselor. Your problem in your marriage may be you need some salt. Your problem to get rid of your pornography may not be through a counselor. It may just be you need some salt. Your problem with unforgiveness may be that you need some salt in your life. Your problem with gossip may be that you need some salt in your life. Why? Because it's going to save you. True story, 1985, city of New Orleans. There was a great celebration. They were celebrating the park commission was celebrating that they had gone all summer in 1985 and nobody had drowned in a city pool. They had 100-plus lifeguards at the celebration, another 100 people that were CPR and all of this. people had over 200 people there, and they were all celebrating the fact that no one, hallelujah, had lost their life and drowned in a pool. And as they were getting ready to lock up, the last four lifeguards looked out at the pool. And in the bottom of the pool, there was a fully dressed man that drowned. In the midst of the celebration with over 200 people, 100 plus lifeguards, and the guy drowns in the midst of the celebration. Say, preacher, what does that mean? I I just wonder in my heart. How many souls are going to hell in our neighborhoods surrounded by people who claim to be the salt of the earth? If you're going to be salt now, there ought to be a little difference there. There ought to be a difference. The third thing I see here is, though, that Christians can influence and change society. We're different from other non-Christians. We've got to penetrate and permeate the non-Christian society, but we can change and influence society. I hear people say all the time, well, we can't, it's going too far. We can't do it now. We can't do it now. I wish I had time to preach this morning and just bring up revival after revival after revival. I want to tell you, it can still happen. You know what's happening to Christians in this day and age that we're living? We're becoming like never before we're being walked on. As you know, we're the whipping boy in today's society. People today have us beneath their feet. You say, well, preacher, they're not supposed to love us. You know, I don't care whether they love us or not. I really don't want them to love us. Jesus said, beware when all men speak good of you. 
I'm not interested in that. I want them to respect us. And the problem is today that they no longer respect Bible-believing Christians. And I'll tell you why. Because we've become good for nothing. We've lost the savor. We're not, we're not living for the Lord like we ought to. Whose fault is it if the house is dark at night? There's no sense blaming the house. That's what happens when the sun goes down. The question is, where's the light? If, if meat goes bad, there's no sense blaming the, the meat. That's what happens when bacteria are allowed to breed unchecked. The question is, where's the salt? And if society becomes corrupt like a dark night or a stinking fish, there's no need blaming society. That's what happens when fallen human society is left to itself. The question is, where is the church? That's the question. Why aren't we having a greater influence on society? Jesus told us to be the world's salt. And if darkness and rottenness abound, it's our fault. You say, preacher, I don't, don't think, listen, don't you ever think God's not able to send revival. Don't you ever think it. There's too much pessimism. The, the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. You don't believe humans can be changed? I'm looking at a bunch of you right now that somebody wrote off a long time ago. Said there's no need to go into them. Boy, they're too wicked. They're wrapped up in this world. They're not going to do anything. And yet, God can change you. Well, let me give you this last thing I'm through. We've got to return as Christians to our Christian distinctiveness. We're different from non-Christians. Salt has to retain its saltiness. Otherwise, according to the Word of God, it becomes useless. And you just throw it out so people can trod on it. If we are to have any effect in the community, we've got to not only penetrate the non-Christian community, but we've got to keep ourselves distinctive in this church. You say, preacher, what does that mean? Well... I don't know what all it means. I'm old. I'm on my way out of here. But as far as I'm concerned, what it means to me is we're still going to have good old-fashioned gospel music, and we're still going to preach whosoever will may come, and we're still going to believe the Bible's inerrant, infallible in the uh, Word of God. And we're not going to back down from that. And we're not going to sit here and argue over the fact of something that the Bible's already called an abomination, we're not going to argue the fact and try to make it all right. We've got to become distinctive here. I love going to these young preacher groups because they're all seeker-sensitive, and they all know I'm old-fashioned fundamental. And I'll say, no, guys, I'm seeker-sensitive. Oh, you're not. I say, yeah. Our whole church is seeker-sensitive. Oh, you're I said, yes. We're seeking the Holy Spirit. We're sensitive to him. Y'all seeking the world out here, and we're seeking the Holy Ghost. We need to be seeker sensitive. It just needs to be the right seeker. We need to care more what God says than we do what man says. You say there's too much sin. It's too late for America. It's in Hollywood, it's in pornography, it's in the music industry, 
It's in the government. God help us, it's in the church. I read in here something interesting, though. Where sin did abound, grace doth more abound. Oh, I made it by grace. (laughs) That's how you're going to make it. That's how you're going to make it. Folk, I tell you, I just believe it's time to blow the trumpet. I believe it's time to blow the trumpet at Woodland Hills and America and East Texas. And let's stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's past time for the salt to go to work. And I want to tell you, do you realize God took sodium, deadly and explosive, and he takes chlorine, noxious and deadly, and by his divine chemistry puts them together and makes salt. (laughs) Can you believe we've got a God like that? Folks, I want to tell you, it's necessary for life. It's necessary for preservation. It's necessary for purity. The God who did that with common salt is the same God, listen to me, that through his chemistry will bring you, a wicked, lost sinner, to a place called Calvary and change your life completely. Wow. A God like that can take someone who says, I, preacher, I know what you're talking about, but man, if I went home, my wife would do this, and my kids wouldn't like this, and man, mm, I know there's a price to be paid. Nobody ever said living in the kingdom was going to be easy. But if you're going to live in his kingdom, you're going to follow his rules. You're going to do it his way. I'm asking you this morning, Why don't you give up and let Jesus have his way in your heart and life? Why don't you just say, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. You know he's got your best interest at heart. Nobody else can say that. Oh, they'll tell you that. (laughs) I don't want to make you mad, but your insurance man will tell you he's got your best interest at heart. He's lying. (laughs) Your banker will tell you, I got your best interest at heart. They're lying. But I want to tell you, Jesus loves you, died on Calvary for you, and he's got your best interest at heart. Father, we're so grateful this morning. (laughs) You've given us an opportunity, a privilege to be salt among a decaying earth. I ask you, Lord Jesus, Lord, to save those that need to be saved this morning. Lord, would you speak to their heart, Lord Jesus? Convince them through the power of the Holy Spirit that they need you more than anything in this life. Lord, have your way in our lives today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, you can say, Brother Charles, I I tell you, I know Jesus is my Savior. And I've got a relationship with Jesus. Oh, how sweet it is. Would you just lift up your hand? I know I'm going to heaven. I know I've got a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I know it. I know it. Thank you. Not everybody could lift up their hand. And I would just ask you this morning, if God's speaking to your heart, would you just slip out and come down this aisle and greet one of us and say, look, I need to be saved. I want Jesus more than anything else. 
Would you do that? Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to come and pray. I'm going to offer these altars. You come, just kneel down here and pray this morning. Maybe you need a church home. I invite you to come this morning. Father, thank you for what you're going to do. In the name above every name, the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing this invitation? You